From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Ripps meets Mike. Mike Davidson lives, another podcast, another episode. Thank you for downloading this go-around. Recording this late on a Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Hope you're doing well. New. I have not seen uh, the season premiere of The Mandalorian. Uh, Season 3 dropped uh, today. Dropped March 1st on Disney+. Plus. Probably give that a go. and Probably not tonight, but uh, soon. Uh, I came home last couple nights. uh, My wife has been on Hulu watching old school reruns of uh, King of the Hill. And I, I forget just how incredibly funny that show was. I mean... Uh, it's it's very 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 subtle for being animated fair because anything that's a cartoon like Simpsons South Park Family Guy uh, you know it's a it's a little all over the place whereas you know King of the Hill is just a slice of life animated and uh, Mike Judge uh, Greg Daniels and that crew just did a great job on that show and I, I don't know I know that's going to be rebooted sooner or later it's it's actually going to have new episodes come to Hulu. I don't think it's going to be ever the same because, I mean, that's that, that's the nature of any rebooted show. It's never the same as it was back in the day when it was successful. Uh, but Mandalorian Season 3, um, it was it was a Hollywood Reporter or Variety? They had the headline, uh, Season 3 uh, will make a lot more sense if you watch the book of Boba Fett, which is... Uh, how do, I, how do I put this delicately? The book of Boba Fett was a steaming pile of dog shit. Uh, probably one of the worst shows I have ever seen. Um, and it basically became The Mandalorian Season 2.5. And I you know, I talked about this in a previous podcast. Uh, one internet insider, or somebody who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, uh, said that the Book of Boba Fett was a way for Kathleen Kennedy to bring Baby Yoda back into the fold uh, behind Jon Favreau's back. Uh, do all sorts of things that Jon Favreau did not want to do. And that's why it became season 2.5, because you got to sell those damn Baby Yoda dolls, right? Um, and, and Favreau wasn't too happy about it. He's, he's kind of doing uh, damage control from the looks of things. He's being very diplomatic with the press. And, and when, when somebody does this to your show and you're trying to write the ship, uh, it, it's probably best not to have finger pointing if the stuff that I'm talking about is true. But he says that there is, there's like a time jump between... Uh, season two and three like two years or something like that even though the book of boba fett uh pretty much took place right after season two i mean it, it might as well have been just a week of training with baby yoda uh but uh, we'll see if uh if the show is worth watching uh yeah, i just saw one review where it was just, they, they said it was just a, a just a continuous video game cut scene after a cutscene, like I guess it was just a lot of CGI. That's not looking good. Uh, but uh, I'll give that a look after the podcast, if not tonight. Uh, I don't know, tomorrow maybe. Okay, yeah, I, I don't normally go into the political directly, directly anyway. Um, I, I always kind of give my own uh, uh, my own spin on things going on in pop culture and uh, sports and everything, but uh, the big story out of Chicago is that Lori Lightfoot, after one term as mayor, 
Uh, she's been ousted. There's going to be a runoff between um, uh, Vallis and Johnson. Vallis being a former head of the Chicago uh, public school system. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think, was it Brian Johnson? No, not Brian Johnson. Brad Johnson. Brandon Johnson. Sorry. I've got ACDC on the brain, but uh, that uh, that runoff's coming up next month. But uh, when they do the um, combined them against her because there's like about six or eight candidates running in Chicago and I don't think any of them were Republican I don't think there's any such thing as a Republican in Chicago uh, it was basically 14% of the total vote went to Lightfoot and 86% went to anybody else man I yeah crime's uh, out of control and I'm, I don't think it's going to really change all that much no matter who wins the uh, the runoff here and, uh, you know, I mentioned about how there was homeless people sleeping in O'Hare International Airport. I mean, this is the one of the biggest airports in the world. Somebody's getting off the plane, first time ever in Chicago, and that's what they're seeing. They're seeing somebody homeless sleeping in the terminal, not going anywhere, not wanting to go anywhere. Um, but she's blaming it on sexism and homophobia because she herself is a lesbian, racism. Don't, never mind... Uh, that Brandon Johnson, uh, one of the guys that's going to be running off, is black. No, no, uh, Chicago is deep red state red. It is uh, John Birch Society people in that city. It's it's MAGA country. That's uh, uh, Jesse Smollett. Remember him? I mean, that's that's why that's why she's no longer <laughs> there in Chicago. But uh, yeah, a little rejoicing, I guess, for those in the Windy City. But I, I. I Basically, given the politics of that town, I don't think much is going to change at all. Um, you may have seen news articles, maybe you've watched the news, and you might have seen the occasional story the last couple of years about how uh, residents in eastern Oregon either want to secede from the rest of the state and create their own state or become a part of Idaho, and they want to call themselves Greater Idaho because... They don't see eye to eye with those on the coastal side of Oregon. Uh, it's like night and day. They they want they want to have their trial separation. At least those in eastern Oregon do. And when I saw this story earlier, uh, I really can't blame them because it made me wince. And I think I heard my wallet wince too. And I don't live in that state. Um, there's a couple of. Um, government types there in Oregon that want to pass a bill I think um, I think for two years giving every homeless person in Oregon a thousand dollars a month unchecked uh, no limits so they can you know uh, you know buy groceries maybe put down money for rent um, all sorts of uh, wonderful wishful thinking with this bill uh, but uh, there's nothing that's going to be like saying, "Hey, you're not going to spend this on booze and drugs, are you?" Because that would just be, that would just not be very sensitive to their needs. Um, and when I saw that, I, I just keep thinking of Portland, Oregon, some of the problems they've had with Antifa there, and some of the homeless uh, encampments that they've had there. The amount of human excrement on sidewalks is going to skyrocket. Because this isn't going to cure homelessness. It's not going to help homelessness. 
it's basically a handout that's going to keep a lot of people that are homeless homeless and attract more people uh, toward that way of living. Uh, you know, if you're a high school kid and you drop out or you you know you, you barely get your your diploma and uh, you, you're you're not going to school, you're not going to get a job. Uh, you might look at something like that and say, "Yeah, I just crash on a buddy's couch and I'm homeless," and try to collect on this sort of thing. You know, it, it, this doesn't seem very moral to me, and it looks like it's going to cause. If if it passes, it would cause a lot of problems. Uh, you just just think about whatever city you live in right now, and some of the issues that they have with people who are homeless. It's not like the, a lot of the times, and I'm not saying everybody who's down and out is like this, because there are people that get in a bad spot and actually want to pull themselves out and actually seek the help they need to pull themselves out. But a good chunk of people that camp out in front of stores and out in parks and inside of businesses don't want to better themselves. And they make it hard for people to conduct business or to enjoy themselves. And if this happens in Oregon, I mean, God, how many people... If you thought people were leaving the cities for COVID, just wait until businesses start leaving places like that. And there will be other people, other cities, other politicians going, oh, that's a, that's a good idea. You're inviting disaster. If you want to help somebody down and out, you know, give the Salvation Army, give to Goodwill, volunteer your time at a homeless shelter, get them fed, you know, do that sort of thing. Don't give them money because that doesn't solve anything. It doesn't change the habits they need to get out of that sort of situation. But I digress. Um, something federal government's finally doing right. And I tell you, and I tell you, I'm not really trying to get into the government thing. I'm not trying to do a political podcast. Uh, well, at least too much of one. But uh, they're finally, they're finally kicking TikTok to the curb. I think Biden, um, uh, he says, okay, you got about a month or two to get all. TikTok apps off of federal communicates. I mean, I don't think you should have Facebook or Twitter. At, you shouldn't be doing anything on government issued uh, devices to begin with that are personal. That's why you have your own phone. That's why you have your own laptop. That's why you have your own tablet. Uh, but, you know, get that off because there has been issues with spyware. You remember when, like, when Trump made a big deal about that and he wanted to get them banned and everybody's like, oh, you're just being paranoid. And the press was giving him crap for being paranoid. And then, like, some dude on the internet, some random software engineering guy goes, yeah, I've uh, reverse-engineered one of these apps here, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things in this TikTok app that would send information back to China. More so, uh, more spying capabilities with uh, TikTok than, say, Facebook or Twitter. So, I mean, for years, you know, it was like that, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist, you're just a conspiracy theorist, and now you got people like, yeah, yeah, maybe should we get rid of this stuff? I'm like, okay, go, thank you for catching on. Of course, this means more balloons, but, uh, hey, it's nothing our uh, $400,000 missiles can't handle. Uh, but but uh, China's pissed off because Biden wants the, the, the TikTok off of all the federal communiques, saying, well, you know, how can you do this? And, you know, be so intolerant to us 
as you're uh, getting rid of something that is a young person's app. You look foolish, and this does not make you look like a world leader. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is a young person's app. You know, for kids to dick around with and make stupid challenge videos and everything. Why do you care if somebody who's no longer a kid and is employed by the government, and by the way, works off of my tax dollars, gets rid of the damn app? Yeah. I, that, that to me, looked a, like when I was reading that uh, <laughs> that release, I, I was just like, oh, you're not fooling anybody here. Um, so, yeah, TikTok, get get lost. Um, I don't use it. There, there are times where I do link stories that have TikTok videos in them. Um, I, that really can't be helped. Uh, but, but I just have no interest in using that personally. And if it is spying on people, I mean, look, it's a big risk for me to have TikTok, not TikTok, but Twitter or Facebook, because that information is available. I mean, hell, uh, that information was available to the board of directors before Elon Musk took over. It's now available to Elon Musk. It's always a big risk, and I don't know if I would like my information going back to uh, CCP, if you know what I mean. Alright, so let's delve out of that bit of technology on the uh, public sector front and go into the private sector front. Uh, J.K. Rowling, uh, it, it's just been so rough for her lately, as you know. Her legacy has been tarnished. Uh, you know, she's, she's worse than Hitler. She's worse than Scott Adams now, uh, according to some of the people on social media. I mean, just... She's tarnished her legacy. She's tarnished her legacy. She's ruined Harry Potter. And then uh, the numbers came out for Hogwarts Legacy. And it is one of the biggest selling video games of all time. In its first two weeks, for all the wizards out there, uh, this Harry Potter themed video game has made damn near a billion dollars. $850 million to be more exact. I'm sure uh, by the end of the week, it'll be well past a billion damn dollars. A billion with a B dollars. And from that chunk of change, oh, jeez, J.K. Rowling, she only gets 90 million of that. Oh, no. <laughs> she gets better than 10% of the profit off of this video game. That's a that's pretty damn sweet. Yeah, I don't think she really gives a crap what a lot of the people on social media say about her and her thoughts on, uh, you know, transgenderism. I mean, she's she's turf. She thinks, you know, a woman is a woman, a man is a man. Uh, she herself is a pretty wom liberal woman. She is for gay rights. I mean, she said one of her characters in uh, Harry Potter is homosexual. Not big, Not good enough for those... Uh, on the far left, and of course, there's always been this thing about, oh, well, she's just ruined her legacy, she's ruined her legacy, but people keep buying her books, people keep watching those movies, and people are buying the video game. Even if they don't agree with her on that opinion, it doesn't ruin her legacy, okay? It's not like uh, she went on uh, on a uh, podcast rant and said she would never, ever help uh, transgendered people. <laughs> And uh, like she didn't set herself on fire like Scott Adams did, is uh, what I'm saying. Uh, he, I guess he said he's lost about 80% of his income since all of that. Um, I don't know. I, 
I, I, I got I to gotta do a little more research on that. I, I might comment more about that on the next podcast. But I think J.K. Rowling's legacy is fine. She'll be okay. Daniel Snyder's legacy, on the other hand, he doesn't have one. He's probably one of the crappiest sports owners in the history of being a sports owner. Uh, owning the Washington Commanders, which is, is still a dumb name. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, look, like I said, if you want to if you want to get rid of the cartoony aspects of teams with names that were based off of Native Americans, go with something a little more respectable. I mean, I get Redskins slur, but you gave it a generic commander's name. It's it's just so bland. There's no edge to it. You you want to strike fear in the heart of your opponents. Of course, you want to field a good football team before you do that. Uh, but I, Daniel Snyder's never going to do that. Um, he he may or may not be selling the team, okay? Um, but uh, if he does, he has asked uh, Roger Goodell and uh, the owners that there should be no legal consequences that follow him once the sale of the team is completed. This is coming after uh, this report from ESPN stating that... Uh, he took out a $55 million line of credit, pretty much a big-ass loan, um, unbeknownst to his share uh, minority shareholders, against any knowledge whatsoever. Uh, used about $4.5 million of that to put a logo on his private jet. And I guess this is something... This is something that you have to get the seal of approval from the commissioner on because $55 billion is a pretty nice chunk of change. And now the accusations are now flying that uh, he, Daniel Snyder, had used uh, the, uh, the team's money as his own personal piggy bank. You know, uh, that is corrupt AF. But the thing is, is like... Uh, it seems like Roger Goodell is kind of circling the wagons on this dude. Not quite sure why. If anything, a guy like Daniel Snyder, you'd be glad, would be leaving the late league. Although, if you're the ownerships of Dallas, New York Giants, and Philadelphia, you want him to own that team for time eternal. It kind of makes your job easier to field a good team in your division. Um, but this is an ongoing saga. This is something that bears watching. Uh, $55 million. Uh, why would you have to take out a loan if you are an NFL owner? It would, I mean, this would seem like something that uh, a small, medium market team would do. Not something with a team that has money to print. And as bad as Washington is, it is in a big television market. And it does have some rabid, loyal fans who are, um, well, let's just put it to you this way. Uh, he's taken advantage of them long enough. Again, it's a saga worth watching. The um, Harry Meghan one is not a saga worth watching. It is, we want our privacy, look at us, we want our privacy, much like South Park pointed out, and uh, there's more to it. Uh, Prince Charles is going to become king, and uh, before his coronation, he has basically put out an eviction notice on both Harry and Meghan for the Frogmore Estate. It's basically one of those fancy, small summer cottage things with ten bathrooms or something like that. I don't know. 
Uh, but he says, you have to vacate the premises now since you guys live out in Los Angeles. And there's been a little bit of hissy fit, I guess, with Megan. Uh, but the thing is, is if you're going to live in that house, you have to be the Duke and Duchess, respectively. Harry and Meghan made that quite pri uh, clear that they didn't want to become part of that family. They didn't want the uh, the job, the responsibility. And, of course, they went out to California. That's where they live now. And they're upset that they can't get the house. They want to have their cake and eat it, too. Yeah. Um I don't say this often about uh, Charles because I think he's just basically a potato with big ears. But he's right to kick him out. Uh, the funny thing is, though, this is where he just becomes Charles again. Uh, he wants Andrew, uh, Prince, I hung around with Jeffrey Epstein, Andrew, to have the house. Um, if that's the case, Charles, I would make sure he would never leave that house again ever again uh i i can't believe the sand on this asshole uh <laughs> this is your punishment uh you go and uh live in this this summer home you you complete creeper uh but uh yeah the the former duke and duchess no longer having the frogmore state look for that netflix special coming out in about three months i guess i don't know okay a uh, couple of actors I, I'm getting to the end here, um, kind of. But two actors I want to dissect here. As you know, I, I took apart Scott Adams for his dumb commentary. That got him into a lot of hot water. Um, but just to show you I'm fair, there's one actor I want to tear into a little bit. And he's an actor I like because I think he is a talent. He's just really bad at politics. And then there's another actor uh, who's rubbing people the wrong way and the stuff he's saying. I'm like, hey. I like what he's saying. So let's get to the actor that I'm a little disappointed in, and that would be Brian Cranston, Breaking Bad fame. And the dude has talent. He really, I mean, comedic chops. I mean, he was funny as the dad on Malcolm in the Middle. I mean, hell, uh, even before people knew who he was, he was doing guest appearances on Seinfeld and uh, kind of a scene stealer a little bit. And then when he's on Breaking Bad, it's like, holy shit, this is... This is intense. I mean, the Walter White meet chemistry teacher into Heisenberg is a great transformation. It's a great, he's, it's well done. Uh, so much so that uh, the great Anthony Hopkins actually wrote him a letter saying, hey, I watched your show, I binged it, I think you're marvelous, and, uh, you know, he gave him high praises. And as far as I can tell, outside of the political realm, Brian Cranston is good to his fans. If they meet him on the street, he's polite and cordial. So I give him that. Uh, but the the politics thing... Mm, no. I guess he was on uh, CNN with Chris Wallace uh, recently, and he was talking about MAGA, you know, Make America Great Again. That was the big uh, Trump, uh, the Trump slogan on the ball cap thing there. And uh, he's basically saying that this is a racist... If it's a racist dog whistle, essentially. Uh, like, if you say it, you are hearkening back to a time where, you know, there was segregation and nobody could vote and blah, 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 blah. And he says, you know, you put yourself in uh, the shoes of someone who's grown up here, black and in America. They've never had a good here. Never. So, uh, white actor Brian Cranston is speaking for all black people. Uh, that's really weird and awkward. Uh, 
uh, you know, Brian, as good an actor as you are, you're never going to know what that's like. In fact, let me let me put it to you this way. Me, personally, I am not going to know what it's like to be anybody else ever because I am me. I might emphasize, empathize and relate to somebody on some level, on some issue, on anything. It can be anybody. I don't know what it's like to be that person. And to me, make America great again is almost as ambiguous as, say, I don't know, hope and change, which was something that Barack Obama had back in 08 and again 12. It, it means something different to everybody that pulls the lever at the pole. What one person might think means make America great again might be different from somebody else. And that might be somebody who is a fellow traveler ideologically. Somebody might have a better idea, have one idea of what makes this place great, and somebody else might have a completely different one. Also, the on the also the same on the liberal side. You know, hope and change uh, mean two different things to people. It's not a racist dog whistle. It's only a racist dog whistle if uh, if you call an entire race uh, a hate group because. Uh, they didn't go all in on your uh, on your four chan uh, uh, slogan. It's yeah, Brian Cranston being an actor overreacted on this, and it's silly and stupid to think that anybody that just voted for Trump uh, is a racist. I don't think everybody that anybody that vote I don't think everybody that voted for Biden is a socialist. Although I gotta be wondering if people are second guessing that vote now because. Yeah, that might be several podcasts down the road here. All right, so enough on Brian. Uh, let's go over to Woody Harrelson. Uh, I don't, I don't watch Saturday Night Live anymore. I don't think I've watched Saturday Night Live since Will Ferrell left. Not to make myself sound old, mind you, uh, but I did watch on YouTube uh, his opening monologue for the show this past Saturday. And he's out promoting this new movie he's doing with uh, one of the uh, Fairley brothers who's directed this movie called Champions. And it's Woody Harrelson being a former basketball coach, coaching uh, a team of intellectually disabled children. This sounds like a Fairley brother movie. Um, and uh, he went on and he, for the, this was not a bad monologue. It was him being goofy Woody Harrelson saying, hey, I'm a little red, I'm a little blue. The red side of me... Uh, wants guns to be legal, but the blue side of me says, squirt guns. You know, he's poking fun out of politics a little bit, but not being mean-spirited about it. Uh, he's talking about how he likes to get high, how he likes to drink. I guess nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, and then he got to this uh, joke where you're saying, yeah, I was uh, reading this script out in Central Park. I had my head against the tree. And this is back in uh, late 2019. And it's about this, these corporations, these pharmaceutical corporations that convince everybody to stay inside and the only way they can get outside is to take their medicine. And I thought, no one would ever believe this. And there's kind of this stunned silence, uh, nervous chuckling from the audience, but I laughed because I was like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, the uh, the people that uh, are all against the misinformation bullcrap, uh, they're all pissed off at him. And I guess in another interview, or just a few days later, he said basically a lot of the COVID protocols were bullcrap and uh, that it wasn't freedom. It's not America. 
And he's absolutely right. I mean, think about it. You, you had a report come out last week talking about how the masks were not all that effective. You've had uh, the Department of Energy and the FBI recently come out and say, yeah, that uh, whole conspiracy theory about the uh, virus coming from a lab in China, it may have come from a laboratory in China. So for Woody to get uh, harangued by people still saying that this is misinformation, who cares? You know, I said this long ago, and this was on a, you know, a crappier podcast, believe it or not, uh, that uh, as COVID was happening, we're going to look back at a lot, of the, um, a lot of the things we did and wonder how did we overreact. And one of the things I knew right off the bat, because I was kind of in the dark about a lot of stuff, is like, you don't shut down the economy. You don't tell people that their jobs are not essential when they are paying their bills and paying their taxes and paying their mortgages and tell them to stay home. And so Woody Harrelson's doing this, and I gotta wonder because this is a comedy, and uh, you know it's it may or not be a, a, a politically correct comedy, but if he's going out saying this just ahead of its release, and people are catching on, do you think he'll get a little bit of a bump? This movie will get a little bit of a box office bump and beat expectations, because the people that are bitching about him spreading misinformation. I, I don't think they were going to go see that movie anyway. You get what I mean? Like, will there be a bit of a bump because Woody Harrelson spoke his mind? Be very interesting. Oh, and uh, finally, uh, just because the Oscars are around the corner, and I know you're excited about that award show. Uh, by the way, they had uh, uh, they had to consult with a, a crisis team just so there won't be any further slapping that will traumatize the presenters uh, this, this year. Uh, Chris Rock will talk about being slapped by Will Smith in his upcoming Netflix special. And thank Jesus somebody's finally talking about the slap. As I said before, though, uh, Chris Rock versus Will Smith. I support Chris Rock because you know he's a comedian, First Amendment, and all that. Um but Will Smith, I think it's just been these holier-than-thou people just trouncing on him still about this. And we all know that he's in a hostage situation, and uh, we need to see it send SEAL Team 6 to save him. But uh, yeah, the Oscars, just a week from Sunday, can't wait to still not watch that show. Might check out the Netflix special, even if I'm tired of hearing about the damn slap. All right. With that all said and done, I'm done. Until next time, stay fresh and cheese. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.